Yo, I'm Shay Serrano. And I'm Jinx. We're hosting a new podcast called No Skips. In it, we discuss the most iconic and unskippable albums in hip-hop history. New episodes drop on Thursdays, only on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. It is 4th of July weekend. We are coming to you on July 5th, although we recorded this on Friday, July 2nd, so something crazy happened in the interim. I don't I don't know what to say about it because it didn't happen yet. <laughs> we are going to go through the players on new teams this offseason and basically, I don't know, how independent. Did they declare their independence or something? I don't know. We're kind of... We're doing our best. This, we're doing yeah. our best. We're doing our best. I don't know. Trying to make a bit work, all right? Everything can't be topical. Prepare for some very, some tortured Revolutionary War metaphors. We're going to try it. We're going to see how it works. Regardless, happy happy Independence Day. I kept thinking of The Office when he was like, I declare bankruptcy, but like, <laughs> I declare independence. <laughs> that might be the best, that might be the best joke from The Office. The, I, I, declare I declare bankruptcy. Do I, so, all right, my actual favorite joke from The Office, which is not ever quoted, it's from the like the later seasons. I think it's after Michael left. But there's a line where Phyllis is like reading, she's like reading Fifty Shades of Grey in The Office, and everyone's like really uncomfortable with it. And someone asks her to stop, and she's like, I didn't have an orgasm until I was 42. But when it did, it lasted till I was 44. What? <laughs> no true. one remembers that line. I, I can't even find that. it on YouTube. Oh anyway, uh, have some orgasmic freedom for the 4th of July this weekend. Okay, we're going to go through the players and new teams and basically be like, do we like these situations or not? Like, are you in yeah. a better situation, a worse situation, meh, whatever. Are you still under British rule or are you freed? <laughs> is, your is your new country going to last? Are you going to be able to figure out ways to govern? Or yeah. are the English going to come back in the 1812 and take over? I, I don't know anything about the War of 1812. I feel like I never really learned about it. I just know, like, the White House burned down, and then they left. It was about, and, like, wasn't it over maritime law? Wasn't that why they fought? Oh, like the Barbary pirates? Were they yeah. involved? There was some of that. There was some of that, It was a yes. maritime thing. Some going Barbary on. pirates. Okay. Privateers. All that stuff. Good times. The Washington privateers. Mm. Why were the Barbary pirates not one of the Washington football team names considered? That should have been on the list. I kind of like the privateers. It's kind of fun. Privateers. <laughs> I don't really know what that word means. Okay, let's go to football. Matthew Stafford, Rams, yeah, yes. traded. Perhaps number one pick of most liberated player in 2021. I would say so. Probably the most liberated player. I mean, he went from Detroit to Los Angeles. Like, this, it's, 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 it's pretty solid. Yeah, personal life and career liberation. A lot, a lot going hey, on Hey, let's be, let's be careful not to insult Detroit too much here. Again, I was mostly insulting the Lions. Craig's <laughs> yeah. the West Coast bias. I was mostly yeah, saying yeah. that, like, Lions, the Rams is pretty solid. But, DK, for our purposes here, how good, how much better is Matt Stafford than Jared Goff? Like, can you, can you, can you explain <laughs> this to us Seven. in layman's terms? <laughs> he's, he's 12 better. <laughs> he's, he's a lot better. He's got a better arm. He is better, uh, secondary, like, second level when you're scrambling and rolling out to your right. He was doing the sidearm stuff before Mahomes made it cool. Um, he's just a lot better in in pretty much every way. And in, <laughs> in this situation, like he's leaving a rebuilding team. They're pretty talent bereft at, the, at this point. You know, they got rid of all their uh, receivers. He leaves the Lions and he's going to a Sean McVay schemed offense with tons of playmakers, 
tons of potential. It's going to be one of the best schemed offenses in the NFL. You could not have said that probably about the Lions this year. Um, and <laughs> that was kind. Yeah, I mean, so what I keep thinking of, and obviously Jared Goff kind of fell off a cliff last year, but um, Stafford is going to an offense that made Jared Goff a QB 13 or better every season from 2017 to 2019. He was a QB 7 in 2018. It's not hard to for, like. It's not hard to forget how good uh, the Rams were in 2018. Like, do you guys remember that Rams Chiefs game where it looked like it was like the greatest football game of all time? I'm pretty sure that was the 2018 season, wasn't it? Or the worst defense ever? But yeah, <laughs> like that too. Um, but this is like the this is what I'm kind of picturing the Rams looking like with Matt Stafford under center. Like Jordan Rodriguez from the Athletic has said this like. Matt Stafford helps activate every available pass catcher or I don't know what exactly the language is, but it's something McVay said where they're able to like actually get all of their pass catchers involved and open up all the parts of the field. Whereas Jared Goff last year, especially was just like, he couldn't do, he, he just lost his confidence. He couldn't attack anything deep. Um, so it, it changes the whole dynamic. I think Stafford, he's, he's a non-running quarterback. So that somewhat caps his ceiling, but I do still think this year, if everything clicks, and the offense does what I think it can do. He he has that like, you know, mid range QB one upside with a really solid solid floor. Like it, it it almost feels like a no lose situation picking Stafford unless he gets hurt. Yeah, I think the only difference in you mentioning like Goff in the kind of 2017 2018 being like a decent QB one. The only difference is there's a couple more rushing QBs that have entered the league now yeah. that kind of knock Stafford down. Kyler, yeah. Lamar, Josh Allen have all kind of taken hold and taken those top spots. So if they weren't here, Stafford would probably be a top five quarterback pick this year. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I think that you kind of touched on is that I just think Goff couldn't Goff was like a one-read guy. It was like McVay had to scheme the entire offense so Goff could hit the one pass that McVay wanted him to hit. And mm -hmm. Stafford can now just like drop back and make his own decisions. And if somebody's not open, he can turn and hit the next guy. And if that guy's not open, he can turn and hit the third guy. And I think that's where the offense is really going to grow. Yeah, I, I think the entire offense, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think Goff could sail with the wind, but Stafford can sail against the wind, and that's yeah. kind of all the difference in the NFL. He could tack. Is that what that's sure. called? Is that the, what that means? <laughs> I don't know boating terms. Tacking. Yeah, I'm not like a sailor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not. You either, just became I, a dad and learned all this random shit. You got. You have to know sailing terms when you become a dad. Apparently. My my college offered a sailing class. I never took it. My oh. my roommate did though. What that's, college did you go to? I went to San Diego State. There was tons of like <laughs> sailing. Yeah, it was like a one-unit elective. You could take sailing. You, you sailor could take, you. You could take surfing. What did you learn? I didn't take either of those. Oh, you didn't take it? That was a huge mistake. What the fuck were you thinking? Not taking sailing. I was, you had to get up at like 7 a.m. on Fridays and like go to the ocean. What's the point like, of San Diego State if you're not going to go sailing? <laughs> Drinking and basketball. Those are the two things. That reminds me of, what's the movie? Yeah. Oh, 10 Things I Hate About You, when it's like the high school just has the... No, but 10 things about you. The high school just has the field like on the Pacific Ocean. And I'm like, this is very valuable real estate. That is in Tacoma. It's uh It's in Washington? Yeah, yeah. That that high school is in Tacoma. I've been there. I actually this is embarrassing, but I actually was a walk-on at the PLU football team. Uh, and that oh, was yeah. we had a couple practices at that high school. It's pretty cool. Let's wow. Okay. I can't believe that's a real place. All right, that's amazing. Yeah. Also, the movie Bring It On. You guys seen the movie Bring It On? Yeah, cheerleading movie that's shot at san diego state fun little fact for you <laughs> did you get to be an extra in that i was long before my time long before his commercial career indeed yeah we, we are gonna get we'll get the nationwide jingle you did at some point on this pod we'll make you drop it in a lot of copyright issues to finish up staff anyway. we got we have him as the qb 11 currently <laughs> no <laughs> you guys feel do you guys feel good about that yes actually i feel great my, my thinking on the quarterbacks this year is like you've got the top guys, Mahomes, Allen, Kyler, Dak. I'm kind of fine missing on them if you don't if if they don't fall, if people are aggressive getting them, because there's this tier at the end of quarterbacks this year with Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Jalen Hurts, Matt Stafford, that like really will last until like around eleven or twelve. And like if I get one of those guys, I'm pretty happy late. If Stafford's the last quarterback you can pick up, I feel really good about that. Mid this is like mid round, mid round QB this year. And maybe Jalen Hurts will be like Lamar Jackson light this year, and you can just take it. Yeah. Him. So, okay. So, another quarterback could change teams this year. Carson Wentz uh, was traded from the Eagles to the Colts. 
part of me thinks it's kind of funny because now it's like the Eagles season kind of ended the same as now the Sixers season just did, which is like, wow. Like this top pick we made a few years ago is like completely the problem. And it's everyone like knows he just had a mental break and <laughs> needs to leave. Now they're like foisting Carson Wentz onto the Colts, you know? Yeah. So DK, I, I'm a believer in mm. like when, you know what? Like everyone who just had a terrible 2020, just, you know what? I'm believing in all, you know, a new place, new location. It's fine. Do you believe in Wentz this year for the Colts? In, forget fantasy for a second. Do you believe that Wentz can be fixed in Indianapolis with Frank Reich? Not really. I want to. <laughs> I, I want to believe because it's just better for fantasy if he's good. Like there's, he can activate some of the guys in that offense. It's just going to be more fun to watch them. I really hope he's good. I, I, I'm not like, you know, wishing anything on the Colts necessarily. But like, if you look at the way that Wentz played last year, it's scary. So I, I put together some stats. Saw this from PFF. Carson Wentz led the NFL last season in turnover, <clears throat> excuse me, in turnover worthy plays with 24. And he didn't even play after week 14. Uh, in 2020, he ranked second worst in completion percentage, third worst in yards per attempt. Mo he had the most turnovers and the most sacks. He in okay, in the last three <laughs> seasons, Carson Wentz is 28th out of 34 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation, EPA composite. So that's like an efficiency, like a, a really specific efficiency metric. Basically, he's been really, really terrible. And it's not just last year. It's over the last three years. So so he's last in everything you want to be first in and first in everything you want to be last in. <laughs> right. So uh, the only caveat I would say, like, if he didn't, if he wasn't going to be playing for Frank Reich this year, there's maybe like two guys, two or three coaches who I would have some faith that Wentz is going to turn around. Reich is one of them. So... I think that is like the big variable here that is is important. He's he's got experience with Carson Wentz. Frank Reich obviously like uh you know lob lobbied to get the Colts to trade for this guy. He still believes in him. He thinks he can get the most out of him. Frank Reich has a history of getting the most out of his quarterback. So all that stuff is like but he and know, he was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles Super Bowl correct. run and, and when yeah. Wentz was at his best. A lot of people give uh Reich a lot of the credit for what that offense did, not only with Wentz when he was like an MVP candidate that year, but when when Foles came in and, and played really well. So like a lot of people would give Frank Wright credit uh, or at least part of the credit for that. Also, Mike Groh, who's now I think the receivers coach for Indianapolis, I believe was also, he potentially was the offensive coordinator for the last good Wentz season after Reich left. So both those guys are now in Indianapolis, mm. which which bodes well for Wentz. Yeah, so I mean, I th I'm not like completely giving up. I'm pessimistic, but I'm open to the idea that like this coaching really does matter and, and Wentz can figure it out. But I would say all evidence points to the opposite. <laughs> so people generally have him ranked like in the QB 17, 18 range. Mm -hmm. I think he's one of the most bizarre because you can almost make the argument, fuck it, draft him. And if he sucks in two weeks, just like Drop stream. Him. Yeah. And it's fine. Or maybe he ends up being like, I mean, in 2019, he was the QB nine. Like if that's a possibility, getting him at the QB 19 or whatever, it might not be the worst pick. I mean, they have a good old line. They have a decent offense. Like they're a good team around him. And now he has his coaches again. Like, can you put lightning back in the bottle? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I draft Wentz. So the, the next guy we were going to talk about is Sam Darnold. I actually feel the same way about Darnold and Wentz for fantasy, which is I don't want either of them on my team. I consider picking them up if they like really are really good in the first week or two. But I actually just think that they'll be competent enough to make the other players on the on the roster and the skill positions like viable. I think that Wentz will be good enough that Jonathan like keep the offense humming enough that Jonathan Taylor can have a really good season and the other receivers on the Colts could have better seasons. I feel that way about the Panthers, too, but I don't want Carson Wentz on my team. I don't want him sitting on my bench. Also, clearly bad locker room. If we know one thing, like I believe in the fantasy chemistry and locker room, I don't want him on my bench talking to my other players. <laughs> you guys believe in that? I believe in that. I don't like I don't like bad chemistry guys on my bench in fantasy. On your own fantasy team? Yes. I'm like I believe in locker room culture. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so where are you drafting Cole Beasley this year? <laughs> Karen Beasley. <laughs> Off the board. Karen oh, Beasley. We gotta have people. We gotta have people showing up for games. They can't be on the COVID list this year. So yeah, Beasley's out. There's a certain type of person who takes Wentz in fantasy drafts, like last. You know the guy who's like, I'm going so in on zero or no QB or whatever late round QB, and they just like it was like the guy who always used to draft like Eli and be like, fuck it, 
And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Eli's <laughs> going to throw for 20 touchdowns and 20 picks. But they always do it. There's always going to be a guy who takes points and tries to start them. No, see, the issue is like, I actually feel like the baseline of quarterback this year is so high that, like, I don't actually really want any of those guys because Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Wentz, Fitzpatrick, Roethlisberger. There's just a lot of quarterbacks that are out there that can be fine in a given week that you can pick up. And if someone gets hurt, you can put them in your lineup and they might be a top 10 guy. The quarterbacks I want, the only quarterbacks I really want to bring into my season, like on my bench, are the guys that can this be like maybe a top three, top four quarterback this season, which to me really is Lawrence or Justin Fields and maybe Trey Lance. But like Justin Fields, weirdly to me, I almost have ranked higher than some like the Derek Carrs and Carson Wentz's of the world. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm confident they'll out, he'll outscore them, but because if he does, it could be by a lot. Yeah. You're Carson ranking Wentz is ceiling, not going to be a top five guy. You're yes. ranking a ceiling, not his, not his projected average. Yeah, the baseline for the backup quarterback in fantasy is so high that like I actually want the guys with higher ceilings way higher. Yeah, I think that's right. So where are we at with Sam Darnold? So Darnold, I... <laughs> Well, I'll wait and see. I'll gladly be the guy who he's not going to get. He's not going to get drafted, right? Like he'll just no. be on the way. No, he's not going to get drafted. But if we're talking about guys who like declared independence, <laughs> then he's free from the yoke of Adam Gase. Seriously, this God, is people like... have had a career year after leaving Adam Gase, being freed from at Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon mm-hmm. Drake, uh, Devontae Parker. Is he on that list? And then yeah. Robbie Anderson. So Donald's free, and I, I we just I, I just have to mention this thing. Like while Donald was there with Gase. Things that they were like last in, in the NFL, they were last in points, yards, yards per play, first downs, third downs, and third down rate. Like all the important stuff. But here's the thing. Gase is like the worst coach you could ever put with a quarterback. I don't think I need to elaborate there. But also the amount of talent around Darnold that shuffled. Consider this. This is from Brian Costello at the New York Post. Darnold played with 15 wide receivers, nine tight ends, seven running backs, seven left guards, five right guards, five right tackles, four centers, four left tackles. None of those people made a Pro Bowl. Not one. So like if you think about the talent around him, now he's in Carolina with Joe Brady, who was the coordinator for the LSU team that with Joe Burrow, that was the best college offense ever. I feel like Darnold will be better. And here's the thing. That doesn't make me want to draft him. It does make me feel way better about Robbie Anderson, who just had a career year in Carolina, and DJ Moore. But really, Robbie Anderson. Who do you compare? Like, what is Darnold's uh, upside and comp him to a quarterback? So, like, his his potential upside to me is, like, Baker Mayfield? In the fantasy. It's decent. So I, I just don't think he's going to be, I, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant. I really don't. And Derek I guess if Carr? you want to say Baker's an upper bound. Yeah, sure. Derek Carr. Derek but Carr I do think that the little. Panthers could be, I do think the Panthers will be good enough though, that Robbie Anderson could be good. And like DJ Moore. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to create beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm with you for, from the dynasty point of view. I've got Darnold on one of my teams, so I'm like really rooting for this to work. But again, like the Wentz thing, it's just I don't have high hopes. It, it, there's so much evidence against what happened or against what he's like already done in his career. To, he has really not shown anything. So, but but how? But you have to be in a position to succeed, though. Like, could you right. think of a worse position to succeed than being no. plopped onto a team, getting fired after your rookie year, and then like Darnold's with Adam Gase? So Gase is the head coach, and then every player around Darnold's changing. The offensive line's <laughs> changing every week. The receivers are changing every week, and none of the players are good. Like, like how if yeah, he were great, yeah. how would we have known by now? Yeah, and Darnold's had a lot of weird injuries. He had mono. The culture on the Jets was shitty. Like, I, it kind of was like the perfect storm of everything going terribly. I wanted to ask. Darnold was out with the virus before it was cool. <laughs> wow, he could be again this year. Who do you guys think has a better chance to like rebound? Even though I guess Darnold's never been good, but I'm just going to ask it. Darnold or Wentz? Who do you trust more to like regress to the mean? Ooh, Darnold. Darnold. I think I, I would Darnold because everything. Whereas Wentz play, I think Wentz played a larger role in his struggles. Yeah. Also, Darnold. I know this gets brought up all the time, and it might, might not matter. But Darnold is so young. He's like been in the league for four years or whatever, and he's still like twenty four. Twenty three. Yeah, yeah, he's like twenty three. And I mean, I I understand that you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything that he's that he's young, but I think he still has that room to grow. He still has 
um, room to develop. And, you know, he's the same age as like Joe Burrow, essentially. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. I don't know, it's crazy. But um, so that's why I would say I, I'm still holding out some hope, I guess, that he he turns into a competent quarterback. Um, but yeah. I strongly think it's Darnold. All right. Other quarterbacks who changed teams. Teddy Bridgewater, speaking of the Panthers, he moved to the Broncos. Do we think Teddy Bridgewater becomes the quarterback over Drew Locke, DK? That's a very good question. Um, I think Drew Locke starts. I think I'd lean Drew Locke still. I know that Bridgewater is really? probably the consensus, but I don't know. It's so tough. They spent because, a sixth-round pick on him. It's not like they like yeah. have to prove anything, but I think he's safe, and they're going to try Drew Locke one more time. Mm -hmm. And if after four weeks it doesn't work, they're going to move to Teddy Bridgewater, which is probably best for the skill players from a fantasy perspective, unless Drew Locke takes off. But can we also mention that Teddy Bridgewater sounds like he was one of the guys who signed the Declaration of Independence? His name, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Bridgewater. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I, I, Craig, I think that's right on. I think if if Locke plays well enough in the preseason, I think he's going to be a starter. And then if he has like a couple bad games where he's turning the ball over and really putting them in a bad situation, that's when they go to Bridgewater. Yeah, he's a fail-safe. Yeah. Because Bridgewater is is like a defensive coach's dream. Like, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to take care of it. You know, blah, blah, blah. But he's not doing anything exciting. He's not really going to, like, elevate anybody around him, at least in my opinion. So are you more into, like, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and the receiving options on this team if Bridgewater's the quarterback or if Locke is the quarterback? Because Locke, I believe, led the league in, like, uncatchable passes. Right, right. And Bridgewater, he did support, like, several high-end re uh, receivers last year and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. It's so, Bridgewater. I'd rather have Bridgewater for them. I think so, I guess so. I, I think I guess it actually so. matters. Like, I really don't know if I want Cortland Sutton and people if the Lock is there. I really That's don't know fair. how I feel about it. That's fair. La last one here. A quarter Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah, went baby. to Washington. And also, I mean, Curtis Samuel did too. I kind of want to just throw him in while we're on players and new teams. Mm. So, Here's my thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has this reputation as like a gunslinger. But again, like I just think a huge part of that, he is an aggressive downfield passer. But part of that is because like he's just always had teams with bad defenses and they're always behind. So like Fitz has played 12 seasons where he's had like seven starts or more. So 12 years of the 12 seasons, he's had more bottom five defenses than above average defenses. Like there's a reason he's always throwing. So I think that on one hand, mm. I don't think we should expect him to be as downfield with the Washington defense that I think could be like top three in the NFL. Having said that, he's still going to be way better than Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins, who were basically two of the bottom five guys in throwing downfield. Like Alex Smith was last in how far his passes traveled. Dwayne Haskins was like fifth to last. So it's like Fitzpatrick won't be that bad, but he's also not going to be slinging it. He's going to be kind of in the middle of, I think, what we usually expect from him. Yeah, this isn't going to be like the Todd Monk in Tampa Bay offense where they're just like going vertical every single snap and Fitz is the QB one or whatever. Exactly. What's it's his, not what's like his that upside? at all. In your mind, what's so his I, I think like? I actually think he's the same bucket actually as Darnold and Wentz in that I think that he, I don't think he's going to be draftable in fantasy. I don't think he's going to be anything more than a streamer, but I think he will be better than the quarterbacks they had last year. I think that Darnold will be better than Bridgewater. I actually, I am one of the few people that thinks Wentz will be better than Rivers was last year. And I would put Fitz as way better than Alex mm. Smith and them. And all those checkdowns to J.D. McKissick are going to become targets for Curtis Samuel, who's they signed in the offseason. And I think Terry McLaurin's the big winner here because that's a guy who's 4-3 speed and really has command of a lot of routes, but really wasn't able to be taken advantage of. Now, Fitz is the kind of guy that can really help him out. And I think that just Washington's offense will be more competent, but it's not going to be some yeah. high-flying affair. I think McLaurin has a chance to really take a huge jump this year in terms of superstardom, yeah, super you know? He's kind of flying under the radar a bit, and yeah. I think we're not truly understanding how much Ryan Fitzpatrick could benefit what he does this year. Like, he could be a guy who's like a top five dude after four weeks in, and we're like, oh, this made sense. Nobody <laughs> jumped on this. What's the tortured metaphor for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel in Washington? I don't know. You got something? <laughs> Is this John, John Adams? Someone's John Adams, right? I don't know. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. 
So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Let's talk about Curtis Samuel real quick, though, because on one hand, I, I definitely understand why people are sort of fading him and not as high on him as I am. But I also don't really understand it because, so just looking at some of his underlying numbers from last year, he finished as a wide receiver 25, so just outside the wide receiver 2 range. Um, he ranked 11th in opportunities last year among receivers, according to Fantasy Points, which is targets Wait, what does plus opportunities touches. mean? Targets oh, okay, plus touches. And that's kind of like the, the, I guess, underrated part of Samuel's game, which I, you know, even I didn't really realize this, but he, he was... Uh, second in the NFL among receivers in rushing attempts last year, 41 rushing attempts behind only Corderell Patterson. He was first among all receivers at red zone carries with 12. And the next closest guy was Chase Claypool with four. So he's being used essentially as a running back sometimes in the red zone. Now, obvious, the, caveat, the obvious caveat is he was on a different team last year, so we don't know how he's going to be used. Um, but he ranked 21st in catches, 77 catches. He was ninth in fantasy points for snap. So he was pretty efficient. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where we don't know how he's going to be used. We don't know how he's going to be utilized in this offense. Um, he's going to a offensive coordinator that previously was with the Panthers and didn't really use him all that smartly. He's basically used him as like a deep threat decoy type guy. And he had all these unrealized well, air yards. So I, I actually don't know. might push you back. I actually might push back on that. I think Josh Norris at underdog fantasy has made a good point that like, Samuel was really good when Scott Turner was the offensive coordinator in Carolina in 2019. But like Kyle Allen was the fucking mm. quarterback. Right, and right. He got right. open. And like when you're speaking of like air yards, sometimes you got to put the context to the lack. Like he was getting open a lot, getting the ball, but with no connection. Well, Kyle Allen sucks. So I and guess like, my Fitzpatrick's question, the exact kind of guy who can hit on that. Yeah. So does that make so with that in mind, with that being said, shouldn't we be higher on Curtis Samuel? Should we be more excited about what he's going to do? I think I've begrudgingly realized I have to like accept that because I, <laughs> I here's why I with the first part of what you said where Curtis Samuel might be in the backfield more. I actually hate that for a receiver. I'm mm. kind of a believer that like if you're asking a wide receiver to be a running back and a slot receiver and an outside, like you're probably not going to be good at any of those things. You're what old school. What if, what if it's only in the red zone though? You're getting touchdowns. Well, overall, receivers actually taking handoffs is actually like a, like actually more valuable than a running back splitting out wide. But I don't know for fantasy if it's like it's not big enough sample to like matter in the grand scheme. I'd rather Curtis Samuel just be a good outside receiver, which I think he will be this year. Everybody's worried about or everybody's hoping that Antonio Gibson will take a lot of J.D. McKissick's touches and targets from last year because J.D. McKissick led all running backs in targets last year, which is crazy. A lot of people are hoping that Antonio Gibson is going to inherit those targets or at least a lot of them. I'm wondering if Samuel does. He's got the well, skill set. enough to go around that they both can get it. I mean, when you're talking about yeah. like 115 targets to go around. That's the biggest worry. I mean, we talked about in the last episode, like, are you the second or the third option on your team? With Logan Thomas in the mix, Terry McLaurin, and the two running backs, yeah. there's an argument to be made in which Curtis Samuel could be the fifth option on the offense. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of deters you. Holding down his value. Part. Yeah. I think I, you're right. So is, is this going to be kind of offense that can support multiple you know, like two receiver ones or a receiver one and a tight end one. That's why I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit down on Logan Thomas. I think that they're going to use Samuel more and Logan Thomas is going to be phased out a little bit, but I could be completely wrong on that. It could be opposite. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, that question of like, can it support two receiver ones? The Tennessee Titans, they traded for mm. Julio Jones. This is a team that doesn't have that question because there's basically three people in this offense. There's AJ Brown, there's Julio Jones, there's Derrick Henry. <laughs> what offensive do you guys line, think? Offensive line gurus are just seething right now. Hi, Fitz. There's what? three people in this offense. We're talking about fantasy football. What do you want me to <laughs> shout out Taylor Luan? <laughs> My God. Okay, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> uh, Julio, so what do you guys think of Julio on this offense? I think that there is a sneaky chance, and I want to run this by you both, 
that one, the Titans could look very different. They basically ran 12 personnel, two tight ends, run it up your down your throat, you know, they're like zone run scheme. They had all the offensive linemen to create gaps. That's what I read. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> at least you read it instead of got it on TikTok. Corey Davis last year had five less catches and only a hundred less yards than AJ Brown. They say they played the same amount of games. He had five less catches. Okay. In his defense, AJ Brown had a fucking torn AMC or like MCL or knee injury or something. He was supposed to be out for the season after week two. Okay, well, whatever. When he was playing in the football game, he had five <laughs> more catches than Corey Davis. <laughs> like, he played. What am I supposed to do? Uh, is there a chance, just a small chance, that Julio Jones is just the best receiver on the team and leads the team in everything? Yeah. it's a good question. DK, who do you think is better right now, Julio or AJ Brown? Oh, God, that's such a hard question. If I've... you had one game right now. One chance. One opportunity. One <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Thank you for picking up on that. Get everything uh, you ever wanted. I'm going with AJ Brown. I mean, I love Julio, but at this point in their careers, AJ Brown. I don't know, man. AJ Brown has built his entire career of being hyper fucking efficient. Yeah. He essentially catches like six. He's like Robert Tanyan, but as a receiver and better, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like, he's like, he had 12 touchdowns last year and he had like, what, 60 catches, 65, yeah, 70 but he, catches? He's like, Tyreek Hill. With, yes, in he's a 230 pound body, like he's not he's Tyree Kill. So, well, I'm just saying from the efficiency point of view, like he he turns his targets into incredible production. He's so good after the catch, so physical, you know, so big. I don't know. I guess so. If you remove Arthur Smith and you maybe remove you remove Johnny Smith as well, both Smiths are gone. And if the Titans' offense looks a little different, they're not so dependent on the run game. They don't have this beautiful play action thing that gets people like A.J. Brown these open slants that he can take to the house. Like, if they're just going like 11 personnel, three, four wide more, like, is there a chance that Tannehill just turns to Julio like 20 more times in the season than A.J. Brown? I feel like that's yes. realistic. Well, I think to answer your question is there is a chance, yes. Here's, the, to, to me, I think that in a weird in a weird way, a tangent, but like a very related part of the question is, We've no one has ever really been able to figure out why the fuck Julio Jones is not really a red zone option. Like Julio Jones is kind of like almost universally considered like the got like the prototype receiver from like an athletic build standpoint, but also the technical route running that you show high school kids on tape that are like, if you want to become an NFL athlete, like like if you want to become an NFL receiver, watch Julio Jones. But also he's six five and runs like the wind. And yet He's not like a good touchdown guy in the Reds. It, it, it we know like every year of his career, he's underperformed in the end zone. And it's just a goddamn mystery. And part of me is wondering, is this like the season he gets 14 touchdowns? Dude, we've been saying that for eight years. But now that he's not ten, Atlanta. Ten <laughs> yeah, it's it's Atlanta has been a shitty red zone team. It's not just like, it's not like Julio's dropping balls in the red zone more. Like it's Atlanta. If the Falcons were a more interesting team, like this would be a bigger deal. Like if the Falcons were the Cowboys, it would be like a thing. It would be what Julio's career four years ago would have been like. He can't score in the end zone, though. Let me run this by you. If Julio Jones didn't get hurt last year and he played a full season, and let's say he put up the season he did the year before, which was 99 catches for 1,400 yards. If he had done that last year and then he gets traded to the Titans, what are we thinking right now? Any differently? I bet. I bet he's a lot higher. I mean, don't we all have him as a top 15 guy minimum? Like, I, I feel like it's not like we're saying he sucks. It's just we don't know how you the targets You mean top 15 as a receiver? Receiver, receiver. Yeah. sorry. Top 15 receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have him. You're right. We have him as the wide receiver 15. So I guess, Heifetz, what's the, what, so what are you arguing here? And, and A.J. You, Brown is our wide receiver six. I don't know. Do you disagree that Julio could actually outproduce A.J. Brown? Is, is that in the realm of possibility? So I think that what my gut says is that Julio still draws more respect from defensive coordinators. And I wonder if that yeah. will shift this year, but I still believe that Julio, you really think so when, that healthy, much? I, I, when he's healthy, yes. Yeah. But the problem yeah. is when he has like the la nagging foot injury and it's a little easier to guard him. But when he's at full health, I do think that. I heard Daniel Jeremiah on the Move the Sticks podcast uh, a couple weeks back. And he was talking about, this is pretty interesting. He, he said he'd heard from a couple people in the league that he knows. And uh, apparently Julio's GPS speed has like actually been on the decline last couple of years. I don't know if that means anything, but I think it's interesting. 
his speed though from now it's this is tough because they they put the chips in the players pads to track mm-hmm. them that's with the same way that nba you can tell me dribbles a player takes so now they have the nfl and the public facing data we have is not really nearly as robust as what the teams have Josh Hermsmeyer at 538 did a piece that Julio's top-end speed, which is kind of all we have access to, is perfectly in line with how good he's been when he's fully healthy, but it's mm. certainly dipped a lot when he's hurt. Okay. Having said that, that's just measuring the fastest he can like run in a game. I don't think that doesn't really matter, uh, measure acceleration, which is like really way more important in the measure. So I don't know. It's like all those things could be true. Having yeah. said that, for fantasy, A.J. Brown at six, Julio at 15, I, I actually stand by that. I, I don't even know if I'm going to edit that with our next rankings. I like that. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. Who's a better value? Julio. AJ Brown because there's... I was going to say <laughs> AJ because Julio, at the end of the day, there's so many receivers in that tier. And as much as I love Julio, it is really frustrating when he gets that like foot injury in like week six. Yeah. And you're just like, I guess I'll just deal with this till Thanksgiving. It's also like you can... I feel like you can take it to the bank that AJ is going to have more touchdowns too. I probably I think I re- that way, doesn't I think it? I retract my statement. Yeah. We'll see. Julio Jones set a career high in yards per target last year. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Just adding more doubt <laughs> to okay. my mind. Other people who left uh decidedly less interesting than Julio is that Corey Davis left the Titans. Uh yeah. also we've talked about receiver upgrades all time, Corey Davis to Julio Jones. But <laughs> Corey Davis went to the Jets. I actually like Corey Davis a lot. Did he gain his independence here? Is he liberated or is he not? He gets a lateral well, move. It. I mean, yeah, it's it's like <laughs> if anything, I don't know if this is uh, exciting, but I do think he's good for the Jets. I just think he's yeah. a better real life football player than fantasy. I think it would be really cool if he was really good. I mean, I guess it depends in part what you think about how Zach Wilson's going to do. I think right. the best argument you could make for Corey Davis, if there's a case, it's that the Jets defense is going to suck. I know Robert Sala is like a defensive coach. I don't care. It won't be good in year one. They have no talent. They have no cornerbacks. <laughs> they don't have the pass rushers. It's not going to be good defense. They're going to have to throw a lot. So whatever you think is Zach Wilson, they're going to have to fucking pass. And that Corey Davis is going to be the number one on this offense. That to mm-hmm. me is like the path. And that Elijah Moore, and they're not going to be able to focus on him because I do think they have enough auxiliary talent in Elijah Moore and people that Corey Davis won't be just swamped. So I actually think Corey Davis could have a productive year, but it's like, what is the upside really? Yeah. He'll he'll probably be on the field the most. One weird thing about Corey Davis is I think he's like one of the best blocking receivers yeah, in the is. league. Yeah, he's so, gonna he really play is. a ton of snaps. He gives a shit. I think it's it, I think he's in an actually very similar situation to last year. Like he's gonna get I think you're gonna get similar to what you got last year with him. And Obviously, he's not going to be playing next to AJ Brown, so there's that's slightly different. But I think with you know what we've heard about Elijah Moore, I think he's definitely going to be involved. I think you know he's tethered to a rookie quarterback, which Craig, you brought it up a couple times in past episodes. Like it's just very, very rare for a any receiver to have like a wide receiver one season with a rookie quarterback. So you have to like temper your expectations. Is he going to be like a solid maybe like wide receiver three week in and week out? I think that's that's pretty much what I expect from him. But you have to ask yourself, like, is what's that worth? You know what I mean? He, he's a solid. He's a solid flex. If he's your third receiver, I'm not happy. If he's your fourth receiver, that's probably fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, next, next guy up. I'm really curious. Will Fuller went from the Texans to the Dolphins. So Will Fuller, uh, we were all obsessed with Will Fuller last year. <laughs> he rewarded us with the best season of his career in every meaningful category. And perhaps he rewarded us too much. Because except for drug tests, which he also (laughs) set a career high for positive tests. A literal career high. What did he say in his Instagram? He was, it was a muscle lubricant. Yeah. Was it? Hydrating your muscles. muscles. I thought that was like a joke for us. I don't think that's what really No, no, no. That was like, you got to hydrate your muscles. (laughs) Anyway, what do you guys make of Will Fuller in Miami coming off both the best season of his career and also after getting popped for PEDs, which does lead to enhanced testing. And so presumably you can't do more of it. You know, I'm going to say that he definitely isn't, he did not gain his independence in Miami. He gained it in Houston (laughs) when Bill O'Brien traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Bill O'Brien is the George Washington of Will Fuller's career. Just completely. You're actually right. Bill O'Brien, like the reason Will Fuller ended up in Houston is because when Bill O'Brien was at Penn State, he wanted he tried to recruit the shit out of Will Fuller, and he ended up at Notre Dame. Bill O'Brien mm. was pissed, and that's actually why they went and got him, and that's why Will Fuller got so many fucking targets in Houston. That's why they took his fifth year option, even though he got kept getting hurt. And like, they Will traded Fuller away has, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, which really like, fucking obsessed. Helped. Bill O'Brien was obsessed with Will Fuller, and I think you're right. Like, can't underrate that. 
and him going to a different team. Let's factor in we have Tua, who's a massive unknown. We have Jalen Waddell, who was like a top 15 pick in the draft, uh, who some people say was the best wide receiver on Bama. We have two offensive play callers at the same time. We don't know what's going on with that. Uh, and we toss in Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. There's like a lot going on in Miami. It's a good receiving group. And Will Fuller's stats without Deshaun Watson are ridiculously worse than with Deshaun Watson. And obviously, <laughs> he's playing with Tua, who we don't know. Um, he's being ranked around guys like Curtis Samuel, Devontae Smith, and Brandon Cooks. And I got to say, I, I think that's I think that's correct. And I, I'm not even sure I would take him over those guys. And it's not like he went there in free agency with some huge deal. And like, it's not Kenny Galladay. Yeah, Kenny Galladay's getting $18 million a year over three. Corey Davis got like $24 million divided by two. So he got $12 million a year for two years. Julio Jones was traded. Like, Wolf, yeah, Wolf got a one-year deal for $8 million. He's if also October suspended and it's for not week working, one. They don't care. And he's suspended <laughs> yeah. for week one. But if it's October and it's not working, like, they don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make a terrible Revolutionary War uh, metaphor here. Will Fuller <laughs> okay, Dad. is France coming to, to the United States aid. And in, in the United States is Tua. In the revolution, so I don't know if you've done much Revolutionary War history, but the United States would not have won independence if France hadn't helped out. Um, Will Fuller, so you're is, on the Will Fuller train. That's a big vote Will Fuller. Will Fuller. No, I'm saying Will Fuller is going to be helpful for two. I'm not necessarily saying Will Fuller is going to be an elite fantasy star. Okay, this is a reach, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. Of course, it's a reach. This is all very tortured references. So. But isn't France the best skill player on Miami? Isn't that what it should be? Whoever's going to be the best guy I in think Miami? That, I, and yes, and I think Will Fuller is that guy this year. I think that I think that Waddle is going to eventually be much better. But he's just he's a rookie. I don't know if you can necessarily rely on him right away. No one cares about Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker is fine. It's Devontae true. Parker, De Devontae Parker is like Corey Davis. Get he's the fine. fuck out of here. He's Are you better serious? Than that. <laughs> you need to. You got take lock, man. Craig no, fucking I don't. loves Devontae Parker. You're right, though. Everyone's forgotten about Devontae Parker. He's Corey Davis. Isn't he the most well-rounded receiver on this team? Yes. Eh. Dude, if, if Devontae Parker was on the Packers, he'd be like a top seven wide receiver. Oh, I actually want to play that out. If Devontae Parker were opposite Devontae Adams like last season, what like how how what would he his line have been, DK? Uh 900 yards. I don't know. You I think it's so much more than that. I think he's like really? closer to like Dude, I don't know. Like these Chris are God. I, I, I did that right off the top of my head. I don't know. This is, these anyway, are all like un, unrealistic, weird scenarios. I want to support my argument real quick here before we move on. Devontae Parker was the wide receiver six in 2019. Just want to toss that out there. <laughs> Two years ago, buddy. Well, <laughs> pretty fucking I'm close. Sorry. I'm sorry, DK. Continue and tell us about Tua Tungovailoa from two years ago. Okay. I feel it feels a little bit like we're getting off track here. What are we Disagree. even talking about? We're talking about Tua. We're, I'm talking about, about the Dolphins. Talking about Will Fuller helping Tua. Okay, fine. Maybe Devontae Parker is going to be the number one guy. Maybe Devontae Parker is France. I don't fucking know. The point is, I don't know who France is. Will Fuller. The title of this episode is Devontae Parker is France. <laughs> no, Will Fuller's France. I'm sticking with it. Because you know why? So Deshaun Watson, this is from PFS Austin Gale. Deshaun Watson's total EPA splits with Will Fuller on and off the field, including postseason from 2017 to 2020. So that's four seasons. On the field, Watson's EPA was 267.2, and, and it was 1,200 dropbacks. With Fuller off the field, it dropped down all the way to 78. And it's almost identical amount of dropbacks. So like more than, like almost triple. <laughs> like he's triply as good. I think Will Fuller is really good. I think he changes the way teams have to defend the field. But do you think that two is a good... They're trying to be more so downfield two this year, but do you think Tua can do it? <laughs> yes, That's I what do. this becomes. Tua, Tua was awesome passing deep in college. I think he can do it. So was Burrow, and then Burrow was like the worst deep passer last year. Yes, because... Well, I, that's part of the reason is because he didn't have a lot of uh, weapons on the outside. I mean, Higgins definitely showed up like midway through the year and started showing out, but I think that there's more to it than that. I think, And I, and I do think Burrow is going to be much better downfield next year we should have a bet we should have a, just a straight up parker versus who's fuller bet. who's france parker full okay. do it what are the stakes what are the stakes for <laughs> the parker france versus fuller? let's do it right now loser loser has to leave and go to france or just the winner i don't know loser, loser has, has to, to pay for the winner to go to france entire episode in french all right yeah we'll workshop this but something about that okay wrapping the receivers here a couple of the receivers who left nelson Aguilar signed with the patriots for like was basically one year and $11 million, I think, or two years mm -hmm. and 22. 
John Brown went to the Raiders for like one million for like one year and like a few million, and everyone's like, "Well, why the fuck didn't the Patriots just sign John Brown? That was kind of dumb." Uh, <laughs> do we feel any value in either of these guys? I mean, Aguilar and John Brown feel like two sides of the, of the same coin, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think Aguilar is a potential flex option if Mac Jones wins the job. I think with Cam Newton in there, you can't rely on him. Um, but Aguilar last year, I, I just want to throw a few stats at you real quick, and then we can move on because I don't think he's that important. But like. Is Aguilar going to drop them? Ag- no. What country is Aguilar, DK? Hilarious. Uh, Aguilar, Thank let's you. see here. He's probably like, you know, the Netherlands or something. I don't mm, know. Okay. Uh, I do not know the Netherlands' role in the Revolutionary War. I don't Maybe either. the American education either. systems failed me. It was non-existent, <laughs> which is why he's Nelson Aguilar. I have no idea. Canada, maybe? Sure. Sure, that works. Anyways, I want to just point out a few things. Aguilar was the wide receiver 29. He was a really, really good deep threat last year. That's sort of who he is. That's why I don't think he's going to be very effective. Cam Newton is a quarterback. If Mac Jones is a quarterback, he could stretch the field, make some big plays. Aguilar had five catches of 40-plus yards last year, which was tied for fourth most in the NFL. Uh, same as Diggs, Tyreek, Devontae, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. So he was, a, he was a legit deep threat. He was second in yards per reception, 18.7, and he scored eight touchdowns quietly. 12 end zone targets, which was 11th in the NFL. So he wasn't like awful. The Patriots gave him a good amount of money. I think he's going to be their number one, de facto number one. However, again, if if Cam's a quarterback, you're not going to want any of the receivers in this group, I don't think, because it's just not going to be the volume or the touchdowns. Um, but if Mac Jones wins a job, then that changes, in my opinion. He, he becomes like a flex. Bill Simmons started calling Nelson Aguilar Nelly about 24 hours after the signing, and I've been out yeah. on him ever since. <laughs> TK, do you think he leads the pass and targets? Yeah. It's going to be either Aguilar or, or Myers, Jacoby Myers. I think John Brown is, I mean, in the same boat. He's essentially replacing Aguilar in Vegas and could theoretically just do what Aguilar did. John Brown's been pretty productive wherever he's been. He's only started over two-thirds of the games in a season three times in his career. And when he has two of those times, he's at over a thousand yards. And the other time he's on the Ravens and it's hard to get a thousand yards on the Ravens. So, you know, John Bresman just is just like a solid productive player. They have Henry Ruggs, they have Waller, they've got Hunter Renfro, they have Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs. So there's a lot going on there. I don't have a ton to say about him besides he'll probably have a couple of big weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, who knows who's going to be the deep threat decoy if they use Ruggs again or if it's Brown this year. But Brown could be a sneaky Aguilar-type play on the Raiders who might throw a lot. So, decent. Nothing much there. Certainly didn't gain his independence. No. <laughs> this show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's let's get to the running backs here. So, number one running back, Independence, baby. Mike Davis, our guy, Funk, Funk Davis. Hell yeah. So, again. Found I, his funk. I, I'm going to clear. I'm going to beat my drum like it's I'm a drummer in the Revolutionary War. It is nice. Funk Davis there might be go. a three down back this season. Maybe, maybe not. But he really might be a three down back. And he's being drafted like 60th overall. Like, it's just, it's just like he's going around James Robinson territory. Like, mm. this is a guy who was a starting running back for an NFL team. And if his name was some, was Funk Davis, he'd be going at least 20 <laughs> spots higher. He's a starting running back on Arthur Smith's team, who, oh, I don't know if you knew him, he turned Derrick Henry into the yeah. greatest running back of all time. Ipso facto, he's Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Derrick Henry, Henry only has like 3,500 rushing yards the last two years. So, you know, just, you know, I mean, you literally could take, you know, a fraction of that would be fine. I would love to do a test on like random people who have never played fantasy football before and been like, here are the rankings of people, and we change his name to Funk Davis and just see where he goes. Bet you he goes way higher. Mm. You show his stats, but then change his name to Funk. We should actually do that. We should do like an A-B test with like real names versus like, we should give, we should just switch Robert Wood's name to like Tavon Austin or something, et cetera, et cetera, and just give all the boring guys and just see what happens. Call him Bobby Trees. Speaking of which, Kenyon Drake on the Raiders. I I hate the Raiders. Mike Davis. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate the Go Raiders on. for fantasy. Darren Waller, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, the, every single move the Raiders make is kind of wrong. They're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get rid of our offensive linemen. We're going to get another. Going to pay a whole bunch of money to a running back, <laughs> even though we drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round. Who, okay. Josh Jacobs, if he were on like, if Josh Jacobs were on the Browns, he'd be, I think, right where Nick Chubb is. You know what I mean? Like, he's that good. I think he's good. really good. I, I really do think he's a really talented runner. I think he's a good pass catcher. And the Raiders just have no history of knowing what the right thing to do and here's is. the thing. So, my look, Lombardi called this on his podcast, like, when, like, years ago. Like, Gruden has personnel ADHD. Like, he has bored. Mm. Like, he gets frustrated and bored with his players and then kind of blames the players and moves on. So, like, Josh Jacobs, as you said, DK, draft first round. In my opinion, the definition of drafting a first round running back at least should be, probably. This guy can play all three downs mm -hmm. and probably will. And just a couple years after they do that with Josh Jacobs, they give Kenyon Drake this offseason two-year deal for $11 million, $8.5 million guaranteed. It's hard to explain how unnecessary it was to give Kenyon Drake guaranteed money into the second year of his deal to be a backup <laughs> running back for uh. Josh Jacobs, which means two things. Like, Either they're very much valuing the backup running back role for Jacobs, or they just don't think he can make it through the rigor of a season, or just Kenyon Drake's going to play. Either way, it is a commentary on their lack of faith in some aspect of Josh Jacobs' game. However, it right. doesn't mean it's enough of a commentary for me to want Kenyon Drake. It just makes me want to stay away from the Raiders overall of, as you said, everyone but Darren Waller. Can we assume that Kenyon Drake is the best third down running back in the league? And that's probably what his role will start no, as this well, year? that's Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I don't think he is. Well, I mean, I, why couldn't he just be another Kareem Hunt this year? Like, is there a chance that he should be getting drafted right around Kareem Hunt? You could argue that. Well, they're not going to be as good of a rushing team, are they? That's the yeah, thing. That's Their true. line is kind of weird, and I don't know if Gruden really wants to run, but um, you could argue that. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like, they look, they gave him enough money to think he's going to play. I'd be pretty stunned if he didn't, like, $5 million to just sit on the bench. I, I mean, I'd be a little surprised. Josh Jacobs has only been in the fucking league for two years. And in his second year, he had 45 targets. It's like he was on the way. He was doing good. I don't know why yeah, we needed to shake everything up. This makes me mad. I don't, I'm not going to have Drake on any of my teams out of, out of like principle. Spite. It's just like, what's the upside? Because <laughs> yeah, you know I'm mad I mean? about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if Josh Jacobs got hurt, Kenyon Drake would actually be pretty intriguing. Yeah, sure. But, sure. Okay. An uh, another guy in a uh, sim uh, similar-ish situation. Uh, Arizona signed uh, James Conner. Mm -hmm. So they had Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake obviously left Arizona to go to the Raiders. And then there was some hope among people like me that Chase Edmonds would get the full down role. But that's not really what Chase Edmonds is. He's not a three down running back. He's just smaller and more of a receiving guy. So James Connors like that early down bruiser and maybe mm -hmm. touchdown vulture and Chase Edmonds is it. Do you guys like either of these running backs? Like, is this a better situation? It's obviously a worse situation for Connor, but like, do you want him on your team this year? I couldn't think of a more boring signing. When this happened, I think everybody <laughs> in the fantasy community was like, eh. Ugh. Yeah, I think there. I think he's going to have some flex appeal based on the fact that he could get a lot of the goal line carries. And in this offense, which runs a lot of plays, it runs fast. It's it's a decently good offense. Um, he could have a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns. So last year, Drake uh, finished ninth. He, he finished second among running backs with nineteen goal line carries. He scored ten of those times. Um, obviously, you can't extrapolate that year to year, but. That's like he that was his role. And I think that James Conner is going to get that role this year. So, you know, you could yeah. be he could be like a touchdown dependent flex option if you're like desperate week in and week out. I don't think he's gonna get like the 239 carries that that Kenyon Drake got last year. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. Um he had a one year one point eight million dollar deal, which doesn't really, you know, it doesn't guarantee him anything. And yeah, so I, I would say, you know, like I've said, he's the grinder, he's the between the tackles guy yeah. and the goal line guy. Connor strikes me as the epitome of the guy that is the least sexy pick and is pretty boring, but then you're playing against him and he somehow like how the fuck it's does like James Connor sixteen points? Yeah, goddamn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, Kenyon Drake was the RB fifteen last year in points per game. I yeah, mean, yeah. I think James Connor actually could could have in a very boring way deliver some some value because again, I don't think Chase Edmonds going to play inside the ten yard line. Let me ask you this: Would you rather draft Chase Edmonds where he's going? Which is hold on, let me look it up. Um, he's the RB29 right now. We got him at RB29, around 84. And then, or 
would you rather have Connor, who's going much later and is our RB forty five at one twenty six overall? I think I'd rather have. I think I'd rather wait and take Connor. Uh, yeah. If it's full PPR, well, yeah, that's different. Well, we have him at eighty four, and I think that's a lot lower than where he's going because I think that I'm down. Uh, and I like Chase Edmonds as a player. I just, I just am dubious of how much he's going to really be rotating in, and I think it's mo- much closer to a split backfield than it is going to be like Connor's mm-hmm. just like a situational guy. And so, again, in an ambiguous backfield, sometimes you just take the cheapest guy, and that usually works, right? Usually, yeah. So I think if you can get six for. rounds later, and we don't, at the end of the day, we don't know. And if you can get the guy who's probably getting the goal line work six rounds later, it's probably a better bet. <laughs> even though I like Chase Edmonds as a player more. Last guy I want to hit on that note is Jamal Williams for the Lions. This mm-hmm. is. So he signed with Detroit. He was obviously with the Packers for a few years and like was behind uh, Aaron Jones. Jamal is just a fun guy. He like loves Frozen and like sings the songs. He's like a really fun guy. If you ever see like ever <laughs> see any interview with him, he's really funny. But he signed with the Lions, and it was what a brutal way to start. To- That's like when you're like, so what's she like? Well, she's really nice. She <laughs> loves Pixar films. You're like, oh great. I'm glad you're picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> oh, great. Here's the thing. This is not really about Jamal Williams. It's really about DeAndre Swift because DeAndre Swift is going way too high in my mind as the running back for the Lions. Here's the thing. The front office that is running the Lions did not draft DeAndre Swift. People who drafted DeAndre Swift were fired. So they have no connection to him. They bring in Jamal Williams and the coach, Anthony Lynn, who's like the running backs coach, or sorry, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, and running backs coach by trade called DeAndre Swift a, quote, speed space back, and he called Jamal Williams a, quote, classic A-back, which means he's Jamal Williams is bigger, he can block, he's a three-down guy. I think that, like, Jamal Williams is going to be a little more than a change of pace guy. I think this is a lot closer to, like, a timeshare. I'm not even, I don't even know if that means I want Jamal Williams, because I don't think this is a good offense. I think it's just another knock against DeAndre Swift for me. I don't like DeAndre Swift this year. That's kind of what it means. I think DeAndre Swift's way overdrafted. I'd rather, even Josh Jacobs, I think I'd rather have over DeAndre Swift. J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, any of those guys. I, my my pushback on that is, I, I agree with you that I think Jamal Williams is going to have a role, and he's going to have a pretty significant role, but why can't, why can't DeAndre Swift be like Eckler? who Anthony Lynn coached last year. Like, speed space back. A guy who catches a lot of passes. Passes are valuable in fantasy, especially half PPR and PPR. I still think DeAndre Swift is going to be valuable. He's, he's just going to be much more valuable in the passing game um, than as, like, an early down, you know, those less valuable touches, honestly. And so, I'm not, like, super, super high on DeAndre Swift, but I'm also not really low on him either because I think this team has already told us it wants to be you know, like a run-heavy team. There's going to be plenty of carries to go around, I think. And I think that Swift is going to be involved in the passing game because you got Jared Goff who won't push the ball downfield. And well, honestly, Swift I, looks really good. Like, he just he's really, really passes good. He's the a good player. Test. You're right, they didn't draft the name him, bias. It's good. the name bias. What if he was named, what <laughs> if he was named Mike Davis? But uh, but also, I think Swift is Dan part Smith. of that. <laughs> Swift is part of that muddy running back category that honestly, I don't really know what to make of because they're all good players kind of in bad situations, right? Miles, Miles Sanders, Sanders. Yeah. who should be a three-down star, but the Eagles don't play him with three downs. J.K. Mm. Dobbins, who just should be really good, but they rotate him a lot, and Lamar Steele's carries. DeAndre passes. Swift, who just... Yeah, yeah and like, I, I think, DK, you're kind of obsessed with the what-if of like, what if DeAndre Swift catches the game-winning touchdown in week one of his rookie year? Dude, like, think about how different. different the world would be. It'd be crazy. <laughs> COVID wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Matt Stafford might not be a Ram. I mean... Patricia might still be the head coach. The Lions might go to the playoffs. We might not have won the Revolutionary War. Seriously, go it's back so that true. far. Butterfly effect, baby. DeAndre Swift is France. That's we might really be speaking what French in America today. No, not French. I don't know. What? German. <laughs> <laughs> we lost World War II? Yeah, sure. Why not? This is man in the high castle? Yeah. DeAndre um, changes everything. No, but really, like, he drops that pass. I'm, I'm just curious. I'm serious. Like, how different would his career be if he hadn't dropped that pass he's probably he, he catches this glorious game-winning pass um he becomes the guy the lions actually have a decent year stafford stays they re-sign galladay they don't get the uh, head coaches don't get fired it's like what i think about mike evans i think if mike evans didn't have 1001 yards that one year <laughs> and he had 999 and he he's didn't Corey have that Davis. cool seven-year streak nobody <laughs> would think he's as good as he is <laughs> anyway uh, we got off track. How are you feeling about uh, Williams then, Heifetz? You know. He's fine. He's not as interesting as your what if. Fantasy bench player. Yeah, fantasy bench player. 
It's not that exciting. I just I'm just worried about this team. It's just very I just don't think you want Detroit Lions like a ton of them this year. Right, just right. Uh, tight end. We we just did the tight ends episode this week, but just briefly, people change teams. Hunter Henry and John Smith. I mean, they're both good. They're both gonna be really annoying and they're gonna I cannibalize each the other. The Patriots know who they're yeah. gonna use each week, and this is really tough. I will say, I think one of them is gonna be a top twelve tight end at the end of the year. Oh, spicy. Is that spicy? Kinda. They're definitely not going that high. He just said one of them. Everyone can right. say one of them. It's just which one? That's what matters. <laughs> That's true. I'll let him get away Pick with one, that. It's not spicy at all. It'd be spicy if he said neither. That would be spicier. Craig is Switzerland. That's who he is. <laughs> Fucking pick one. Pick a side. Who did they sign first? Janu. I think. And I think Belichick has previously talked about how much he liked Janu. Give me Janu. I think they signed Janu. I'm gonna but is Janu a better blocker? I think he is. No. Well, Johnny's I don't healthier. know. Maybe. So they signed Janu on March 19th. This is all on base. We don't remember this because we were drunk for the free Adam Schefter free agency drinking game. Oh, right. So, and then four days later, they signed Hunter Henry. Give me Janu. Okay. So, the Gerald, so the other Gerald Everett for the Seahawks, we touched on him for like, I mean, look, he went, left the Rams, went to Seattle. We like Gerald Everett. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I say what I wrote in the doc? (laughs) Please do. I said Tyler Higby is the British fucking tyranny as far as Gerald Everett is concerned. (laughs) And the Seahawks are the American dream. Higby is quartering himself in, in everyone's homes without paying them anything. <laughs> no represent, no no taxation without representation is my whole thing. Gerald Everett has been liberated. Yeah, by the Amer- by Seahawks are the American dream. You mean that like there's this potential for like like limitless expansion, but there's this artificial cap on it. Yes, <laughs> that could probably exactly change with right some now. regulatory policy updates. The most frustrating team and country yeah. in the world. Yes. Okay, and then uh, we last one here, Jared Cook on the Chargers. Uh, should we care about this more? I don't care. I probably should. Is Jared Cook like 52 years old? I kind of feel like we're underrating it. <laughs> Can I give you like a pop quiz? God, he's only 34. So Keenan Allen's only. number one receiver for the Chargers. Mike Williams is number two. Do you guys know who the number three receiver for the Chargers is? Josh Palmer? Uh, that one guy who is a big time XFL star. <laughs> Donald, Donald Parham. He's a tight end. Oh, sorry. What, what was your question? I, I missed it. Third receiver for the Chargers. Oh, was I right with Josh Palmer? Oh, oh. It's like Tyrone Johnson or it is the rookie, Josh Palmer Josh or Tyrone Palmer. Johnson. Yeah. What's up? My point being, I think Jared Cook on the Chargers tight end actually has probably more opportunities <laughs> than we're giving. Credit Stop giving to. us riddles, Heifetz. Considering how high we're having Justin Herbert, you know what? Jared Cook should probably be more than afterthought. Yes, Craig. When you guys think of Jared Cook, what team is he on? When you look back on his career. Rams. Unfortunately for him now, I think of the fumble that changed. I mean, Saints. Jared Cook, talk about sliding doors. Jared Cook fumbling in the Saints Bucks playoff game really was the difference in the Bucks winning that game. Like, if he doesn't fumble, the Saints probably win that game. And then Brady loses with the Bucks. So Brady isn't like the, the slammer down goat that he is now, where it's like every possible doubt's been erased. And then. Drew Brees and the Saints may be going to win the Super Bowl. So that's actually what I think of now with Jared Cook. I think I think of him as a Raider when he had that really weird year and everyone's like, wow, Jared Cook's back. Oh, that well, that's when Mose, the video producer, was playing Bill in the finals and Mose was <laughs> the youngest person at the entire company and, and Bill needed like three and a half points from Jared Cook to win and Jared Cook got him like 3.2. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. I forgot he was on the Raiders. He's, I think he's that's all around. we got. Yeah. Oh, wait, Jay I got Darren a fun Waller fact. Before Darren Waller. Oh, you got a fun fact? Fun fact. Yeah, guys. July 4th related fun fact. I found out today upon doing some light research that my birthday is the real Independence Day, August 2nd. What do you mean? What? Oh, yeah. Is that when, like, the. Oh, like, is that when they finished signing they it? They ratified this, the declaration or whatever. The final draft of the declaration was approved by the Continental Congress on July 4th, although the date of its signing has long been disputed. Most oh. historians have concluded that it was signed on August 2nd, 1776, a month after and not July 4th, as commonly thought. So, wow. Does that mean you're a national treasure? I think I already was. I think everybody already knew that. But uh, now I'm just going to be a real, real pain in the ass on August 2nd. (laughs) I'm going to have an American flag around my back. Just get a giant John Hancock tattooed on your chest. Yeah. Should that be the next national treasure? Like Nick Cage tries to change the date of the like 4th of July. This is like the new Da Vinci code. It's just him in court. The 2nd of August does not have the same ring to it. No offense to your birthday. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys say July 4th or the 4th of July? 4th of July. Both. I say both. Hmm. Mariah Carey, what do you think? Did we be there? How we how we doing on the Mariah Carey project? Not great. Any any updates? No? Okay. Yes. Getting her song on our pod seems to be only a fantasy, unfortunately. Mariah Carey was France all along. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to Mariah for eventually listening to us. Thank you to Funk Davis. Just, you know what? You keep being you. And of course, most of all, thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Britney Spears. Wow. Wow. Who, speaking of one. needs independence. Yeah. Britney Spears. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Sorry. Did it, did it just get dark? No, she uh, certainly it, does. You know, it is what uh, it is. Free Britney. It's a actually though, that's a very serious situation. Legitimately. The conservatorship is horrible. It seems like a bunch of bullshit. That's all. Yes, I know. it is. And yeah. the judge just ruled that she has to stay in it, I believe. It's terrible. Check out, listen to the Ringer Dish episode uh, on Tea Time and with the director of the Free Britney Spears doc that Juliet spoke with last week. It's very interesting. Anyway, Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs>